Allen's Investigate, airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. And welcome to the Allens Investigate with me, Shona Allen. And I'm Gary Allen, the Cockney Bard. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from beautiful New Orleans. Now this week, we're going to be doing something a little different as we're going to be telling you a bit about ourselves. We've had a few people ask us about who we're, we know what we're about, who we are. Um, so we'll be discovering and discussing our life and extraordinary spiritual journey, including how Gary discovered he had abilities that would be considered paranormal by many and how a remarkable sequence of events was destined to a remarkable wedding tale, how it brought us together and also some wonderful, inspiring, inspiring stories, experiences, writings and philosophy. So over to you, Gary. You get started then about you and where you were born. Well, uh, I was born in the East End of London and um, in a place called Plasto. Uh, it's a tough area and uh, you have to learn to fight, believe me. Yeah, it's a <laughs> tough area. Well, it's the East End, isn't it? Of no, course. it's the East End, yeah. for sure, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And so when did you actually start getting paranormal experiences let's talk a bit well, about that yeah i was um you know basically about six years of age and uh and i got awoken one night in my da dad and mum's prefab they had a prefab uh prefabricated home mm -hmm. and uh basically uh what happened we could hear uh, sort of some sort of jangling like chains in the hallway and um the next thing uh we got, we rushed up uh, my dad thought there was a burglar, and uh, all the windows were wide open. Oh all the doors were wide open. The TV was blasting out. And um, are you sure no one had just crept in and just thought they'd watch your telly or something? I don't know. They wouldn't have got out alive, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> if they did, no. But there was nobody. There was nobody there. So anyway, we we managed to get back to sleep. Locked all the windows again and the doors and everything, and uh, went back to sleep. And I think it was a week later, my dad was uh, relaying this story to my uncle Kenny, his brother. And uh, he said, what a load of bull, you know, he, he couldn't accept it. <laughs> but anyway, he said, if that's true, that big mirror above your fireplace is going to fall down. And just as he said that, it came crashing down, oh thousands my. of pieces on the floor. And we never had no more, never heard any more about it. So okay. that was a, yeah, that was quite an amazing experience. And uh, but you also, you've had some experiences when you were little, weren't you? Well, I did. It was a bit strange, really, because, um, I mean, when when my parents kind of uh, turned the light off and, and left me in bed and went downstairs to go and watch a bit of TV, um, I actually felt someone quite regularly used to come and sit on my bed because, you know, you could feel it just drop down. So that was a bit, uh, I didn't like that very much, no. actually, at the time. And I would hear voices and things at the end of the bed. And um, I think probably one of the most um, kind of scary, weird experiences when I was a child um, was I'd go off to sleep and then I'd drift off. And the next thing I was floating down our staircase. Oh, God. And it was then a bit it, of <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, this used to happen regularly. So, I mean, it wasn't a dream. No. Um, so I'd be floating, you know, f literally flying down the staircase. And mm. then, of course, when I got to the bottom, I went bump and it woke me up. Right. And I was kind of like, oh, what was what happened? What happened? And it was only in later life that I then discovered actually what was going on. Mm. So weird experience, isn't it? Yeah. So that was quite Gosh. strange. But anyway, mm. I mean, um, so I had a few of these and it was you know, fairly consistent through through growing up as well. Yeah, just as a, a, a young and really. Yeah, well, what about you? Well, uh, I told you that that experience I had when I was about six or seven, mm. um, I didn't have any more experiences till I was 33. Okay. But, um, yeah, I sort of uh, grew up in a tough area, the east end of London, and uh, basically had normal jobs like normal people and uh, 
you know, I like the odd flutter on the GGs and all that, and it was useless. I was absolutely useless <laughs> at gambling, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, what they call a curry and crumpet man, really. You know? <laughs> um, much to my shame, really. I should and, think so, uh, too. Well, you know, I, ne I never really learned a lot of school. I hated school. I really did, you know. And I left school early, so never got any qualifications. But, I, you know, I managed to do all right. I managed to get some good jobs and that, you know. I had my own business and everything. And then, um, anyway, it's going back to the paranormal side of things. Um, uh, I was 33 years of age, and uh, I was living on my own. And uh, I was a bit depressed, to say the least, you know, looking at the four walls and wondering what was going to happen. And uh, anyway, so I went to bed and I sort of prayed for some sort of divine intervention. And I said, you know, I, I really need some help. I'd like something to happen in my life, something a bit, you know, a bit special, really. And uh, and the next morning when I got up, I had this uncontrollable urge to write. Mm. I really did, you know, and, you know, I, I didn't write anything out apart from betting slips, so, so this was a bit uh, so it was strange. Out, it was out of the normal for you then, wasn't it? It's not usual for you to do that. Oh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But what basically happened was um, I had this strong desire to write, so I got a pen and a, a couple of pieces of A4 from the, from the drawer, and I sat down and uh, I started to write. And... Uh, after about two minutes, I'd written about, I don't know, something about 260 words, something like that. There was no pause, no punctuation, and it appeared that somebody was talking to me as I was reading it. So I kept looking at it, and I thought, well, it's it doesn't sound like me. And I thought, this is a weird experience. What the hell was going on? So anyway, I thought, what I'll do is I'll phone my mate Dean up. So I got on the phone to Dean. And uh, I was telling him, and I said, told him what, you know, basically happened. And anyway, he was taking the mickey out of me. And I said, well, why don't you just come around and have a look, you know? Mm -hmm. So he said, all right, then I'll be around in, I think it was about 10 minutes, 20 minutes, he said. And anyway, he came around, and I was living in Essex at the time. And uh, anyway, he knocked on the door. And as soon as I opened the door, he had a big wide smile on his face. I thought he's taking the piss. And, he, <laughs> yeah. and um, anyway, so... Uh, it does sound a bit strange, though, doesn't it? In fairness. Well, yeah, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit strange. But anyway, so what happened was, uh, he walked through the door, and for some unexplainable reason, I grabbed his left shoulder, right, mm -hmm. and uh, and I sort of squeezed it, and then I stepped back from him, and uh, he started to uh, rotate his arm in, you know, 180 degrees, and I thought, what's he doing? Pretending you know, to be a windmill. <laughs> was he doing he said i can't believe it and i said what and he said what did you just do and i said i don't know what would you mean i said i squeezed your shoulder which i don't know why i did it mm. and he said you know what gary he said i busted it in karate and he said i couldn't move it above shoulder right i went what he said no it's true he said i busted it in karate so anyway mm. with that shock uh we both sat down and then he said uh, oh he said let's have a look at that writing you jam so anyway, so I showed him it, and um, he said, read what it says, you know. So I read it out, and he said, he said, you know what? He said, that don't sound like you at all. He mm. said, do you think you could do it again, like, you know, in front of me? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, honestly, Dean, I said, I don't know. I said, but I'll give it a go. So I got some more paper and started writing again, you know. And anyway, and, and it kept writing and writing, same again. No pause, no punctuation, no grammar. And uh, anyway, after after a couple of pages, um, very quickly written, uh, he said to me, can you read what's what you put down there? So I started to read it to him, and everything was going well. Mm -hmm. uh, he couldn't understand, but everything was going well until I read the bit out about his wife's doctor's appointment. Okay. Uh, so I said, your wife's had a doctor's appointment. And he said, uh, are you having an affair with my wife? I said, no, but thanks for the tip. Anyway, but anyway, now the reason he said that. I wonder if he's watching. Well, probably. Hello, Dean, if you are. But uh, he was so shocked by this, he spurted all his coffee all over the floor, you know. Mm, and well, um, do, Yeah, he would do, yeah. Mm. So anyway, uh, he phoned up his wife and he said, you know, have you seen Gary? She said, I haven't seen him for five years. Mm. 
So with this shot being so much that he he left quickly after that, and I never saw him for another ten years. Crikey, I think it was about ten years. Yeah, I would have shot him all right. And uh, anyway, this was such an amazing experience to me. And I thought, what I'll do is I'll try every single day. And every single day, I picked up the pen and a piece of paper, and I would start writing. And whatever it was, was telling me things about my life and what was going to happen in the future and everything. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was, you know, quite remarkable. And uh, anyway, as uh, as this progressed, did I started getting some uh, philosophy. And, uh, you know, it was, it was like really deep, profound philosophy. And I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? And like the next minute I'm getting the Sun newspaper <laughs> looking at the horses. So it was like... <laughs> And so it's still the same old Cockney standout, mm. but something was happening with me. Something was changing with me, and so I could feel that. What do you think it was then? I had no idea. Absolutely not a, not a clue what mm. the hell was going on. It was some sort of extraneous source was communicating with me, and I had no idea what it was. I, I absolutely had no idea. And anyway, so... Um, all of a sudden, I, I sat down one day and, and was starting getting this philosophy and poetry. And then, uh, I, can, I, can I just read you one of the poems yeah. that came through? This is an early one. And uh, it's called Astronomy Speaks. Most beauteous the stars, astronomy speaks. Heavens abide the twinkled dust. Eternities roll thy favoured tongue. Disenchanted arrows of petulance rear a cankered head. Embarking a density of ignorance wherein celestial orbits rise and fall. Piteous thy mind, where visions deem thy sight an erroneous intrusion. Seek thy setting sun, and fleeting thy vision, where glorious beams of light do descend from heavenly spheres, embracing solitude and harmony forthwith. And yet, in persuasive eye, deprive the substance of the soul, wishing thy travels ascend to beyond thy visionary sight, to fields of stars and a rolling universe beyond thy mind. Now, that doesn't sound like you, does it? Not really. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> no not really. So, Cockney Stender. Yeah. So, and what I would do every day, I would say, could I have some poetry better than the one yesterday? You know, and I was asking for a lot. But anyway, I didn't have a clue what was happening anyway. I had no idea. So, I carried on and, and, uh, you know, every day, same thing, getting the pen, getting the paper, same thing every day. And then one day, um, they they said to me that I was going to write a book of prophecy, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and they said, you're going to get some this month, some next month, and some the month after. So I thought, well, that sounds quite exciting. And anyway, so I started to write this book of prophecy. And it's written in a religious way. You know, I'm not religious at all. I can't no. stand religion. You know that. But anyway, um, I, I don't have a religious bone in my body. But having said that, uh, whoever was uh, writing or channeling this material through me, he totally believed in in Jesus Christ and totally believed in in the message of the Lord and that. Mm -hmm. And anyway, he was talking about uh, how there would be fires, earthquakes, hurricanes, places on the planet which would be too hot, and it was all because of mankind and what they'd done. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're twenty years down the road now, or twenty five years, whatever it is. Um, and this sort of thing is happening all over the world. There are fires and earthquakes and hurricanes and places on the planet which are a bit too hot. So, you know, I don't believe in global warming, as you know. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, this is what this guy was saying. So, you know. Did, did you feel a bit scared by it, though? Because, I mean, it's to get something that's so different like that coming through, sort of like prophecies and things, did it did it kind of scare you? Um because I think it would well, do a lot of people, wouldn't it? Well, you know, I tried to approach people and talk to them about, you know, what was going on. And, um, you know, and I got a couple of books out and see if I could understand it. Because someone said to me, well, it sounds like you're doing automatic writing, you know, some mm. some psychic person. said, And uh, I said, well, what's automatic writing all about? And they said, well, you just can't control the hand and you're just... Right in fast, yeah, you're taken mm -hmm. over. And I said, Well, yeah. it doesn't happen like that with me. I said, Basically, I pick the pen up and I start writing, and then I can stop and then start again. So you can do it at will, uh, at will, yeah, 24 yeah. 7. So I said, Well, that's you know, it sounds 
it sounds to me like it does sound to me like automatic writing so i sort of said well no and um and then basically you know someone was saying to me why don't you go to uh spiritual awareness classes and well i wasn't interested in that you know it, it you know it was a bit way out there for me so i just carried on doing what i was doing and um mm. you know and then one day um i got a message and it said to me that i had to go to south end you know okay so i finished this right and then it said you got to go to south end but you got to go there within the next half hour and i thought well, i ain't even ready so I quickly got ready. Now, South End for me at the time was about 15 minutes drive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, well, what happens if I go there and, you know, there's nothing there? Anyway, they, they told me that there was going to be someone called Maureen and there was going to be uh, a pub called The Ship. Uh, well, it was a, they said there's a ship, actually, a ship outside of mm -hmm. this pub I've got to find, you see? Okay. So I thought, right, if they're talking about a ship, where's the logical place you'll go? On the seafront. On a seafront. Well, mm -hmm. Southend is a seafront, uh, seaside place. So I thought, right, I'm going to go down there, go along the seafront, and see if I can find a ship that's outside a pub, basically. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and they also said to me that there'll be items of a ship on the inside of this pub. So they gave me a clue, and they said it will be a quaint little pub, right? Right. So as I go walking down uh, uh, the seafront at Southend, and I come across this massive pub called The Ship, and I thought, surely that's not it. That's a, you know, they said it was a quaint little pub. So anyway, but I thought, I'll go in there. So I popped into the pub and there was a, the, the, the barman was there cleaning the glass. He was the only person in there. And I thought, so how can I approach him with this anyway? So I gave him the piece of paper that was written. And I said, can you tell me if you know where this pub is? Right. So he read it and he said, uh, quaint items of a ship around the inside, a uh, little pub, uh, you know, mooring. He said, yes, I can tell you where that is. He said, that's my dad's pub. And he said, Maureen is the barmaid. And he said, it's 200 yards down there on the left-hand side. Right. So anyway, I didn't tell him how I got this right in. So I took the right and I said, thanks very much. So I went down there and I walked into this place. It was called Smithy's Bar. And it was a quaint little pub. And in the inside, it had items of a ship and everything, like diver's helmet and that kind of stuff. And as I walked in, there were two birds. Well, two, birds. two birds. There were two <laughs> that's women. A, that's so, a cockneyism. It's a cockneyism for, for women. women. Anyway, there yeah. were two women at the bar, right? And as I walked up to the bar, I said to the uh, to the barman there, is Maureen here? So he said, no, Maureen's on vacation or on holiday. So he said, what can I do for you? And I thought, what the hell am I going to say now? <laughs> I ain't got a clue what I'm going to tell him. Anyway, as I did that, one of the two women standing next to me, she said, uh, she said, you're a medium, aren't you? You're a psychic. I said, what? She said, yeah. She said, you are. She said, and um, she said, I have to tell you, you have to read Echolistes in the Bible. Ecclesiastes. Or Ecclesiastes, whatever mm -hmm. they call it. And uh, she said, you've got a wonderful life. You're a Jesus-like figure. You've got a wonderful life. I thought, what the hell is she talking about? I don't even like the Bible. What the hell is she on about? Anyway. Anyway, she gave me her card, and her name was Frankie, and mm -hmm. I walked out the pub, and I thought, what the hell was that all about, honestly? And I went home, and um, and this this kind of thing was starting to happen to be regular. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've heard um, a lot of people say as well that all spirit, they don't know time, they don't understand time, but clearly this particular experience demonstrates that actually they must have had some kind of comprehension of time to get you to the right place at the right time. Well, she said that she never goes in there on a Wednesday. So, mm -hmm. and she turned up. And anyway, I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't know what this, this thing about Jesus-like figures are all about, you know. But later on, after many, many years, you begin to understand that it's just about light, basically. Mm. Uh, it's nothing to do with Jesus at all. It's just, a, you know... Is that the ability to heal, the ability to foresee the future, and that it's nothing to do with uh, being a, a prophet going all over the world, really. It's just, you know, just you may, if it's a teacher, then, you know, fine. But anyway, so <clears throat> that was that was on that occasion. And then um, shortly after that, um, I'd done some more writing, and I was by this time, I was still doing the poetry and, uh, and philosophy. In actual fact, um, I'll just have a look, see if I can read you a little bit of philosophy, you know. So this was the sort of stuff that was coming through me. Uh, when people showed me envy, 
I showed them beauty. When people ridiculed me, I showed them truth. When I showed them truth, they showed me anger. When they showed me anger, I saw a great weakness in them. Mm. So that was a sort of, you know, and I love that sort of stuff. I really, I really did. So I was thrilled when that was started coming through, you know. Um, and then and anyway, all of a sudden, I, I'd done another uh, lengthy piece of writing. And this time, they were telling me to go to um, Belgrave Square. In London. Mm. Yeah, in mm. London. And this time they gave me the number. It was 33, Belgrave Square. Okay. Now, they were telling me that I had to go there within the next hour. And, um, you know, I lived, I lived basically, I didn't know where Belgrave Square was. So I had to find out, but I knew it was in London anyway. I managed to track it down. And I think it was about somewhere about hour and three quarters. Um, and I managed to make it to Belgrave Square anyway. So 33 Belgrave Square. So I go to Belgrave Square and I find for number 33 and the door was open. And I thought, well, this is unusual, you know, for a door to be open. Why is the door open? You know. Mm. And so I walked in there and um, some bloke behind the counter, he said, welcome to the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah, this is the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain. And... Um, he said, can I, can I help you? And anyway, as he said that, two girls come in. and I'm they were, you didn't call them birds. No, 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 no. <laughs> show a little respect here. Show a little respect. Two young ladies come in. That's you? better. Yes, indeed. Mm. Two young ladies come in, and um, they were very pretty girls, you know, and they were twins. So I thought, well, this could be the reason Two I'm here. Two for one. Yeah. <laughs> Two for one. There we go. There we go. And I thought, this is Andy. Anyway. But that being aside, uh, the, the two girls, they came over to me and they said, um, who's the resident medium? And I said, well, I, I don't have a clue. I said, but, I said, having said that, I said, I could perhaps tell you what you need to know. And uh, I said, I do have been getting lots of insight into people's lives and uh, my own life and everything. And uh, so I told them a few things and they went, wow, that's amazing. How did you know that? And I said, well, I don't, it's just intuition. I don't know anyway. And um, so they said, would you, uh, would you like to come down and uh, have a cup of tea downstairs? So I had my writings with me at this point, and um, I was telling them about the ability and how it came to me and everything. And uh, we went downstairs into this, thing, into this um, tea room. And um, what happened? When I'd done the writing, they told me I was going to meet a man there, right? So I thought, well... So it wasn't the twins then? No, that was the disappointing <laughs> thing disappointing. about it because I, I remembered I remembered that it was a bloke I was supposed to meet and I thought, damn, damn. you know, yeah. So that was, a, that was a bit of a blow. But anyway, when I walked in to the tea room with these two girls, I looked over and there was one person sitting on his own, right? Mm. And it was an elderly gentleman with grey hair and everything. So um, as we walked in, the girls were saying go over and show him your writings. And I thought, what? You know, <laughs> As hey, you do. Yeah, well, <laughs> go on, go and show me. And so they, they were prompting me anyway. So I said to the elderly gentleman, I said, would you mind if I sat down? He said, not at all, dear boy. You're welcome to sit down. And the girls were still saying, go on, show me your writings. So um, he said, what's all this writings about? And as I went to show him the writings, um, a name popped into my head. Mm -hmm. And so I said, who's Eula? And he said, do I know you? He said, have I ever seen you before? And I said, no. I said, why? And he said, because Eula is the name of my wife who died some 15, 16 months ago. And he said, I've come here today to maybe find out something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that was amazing. And I said, what, what's your name? And he said, my name is Ronald. Right. And I said, well, that's funny because I've been given Ronald recently, the name Ronald, and they told me I was going to not only meet you, but become great friends with you in the future. Yeah. And so that was this man, Ronald Bailey. Mm. Yeah. And he told me that he was a, a friend of John, John Ford, the actor, and Sheila Hancock. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, I gave him my card. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, after this remarkable meeting, 
Um, he telephoned me at the blue. Okay. And he said, it's Ronald, and I met you that day at the Spiritualist Church. Anyway, by this time, I, um, I've i done a few more poems and everything anyway, but I read him that one, uh, Most Beauteous of Stars, and he said to me, that's amazing. He said, he said it sounds like some sort of Shakespeare stuff. And I said, who's Shakespeare? You know, oh. yeah. <laughs> who the heck is Shakespeare? Anyway, he said, he said, you don't know who Shakespeare is? I said, I don't know Shakespeare. I said, I ain't got a clue. I said, honestly, I don't have a clue who Shakespeare is. Mm. He, said he's, he said he's one of the most famous playwrights ever. I said, honestly, I don't know who he is. I was 33 and didn't know who Shakespeare was. Anyway, and he said to me, uh, well, let me read you one of his sonnets. And I said, what's a sonnet? <laughs> and he said, it is a 14-line uh, poem. So anyway, he read he read me one. He said, "This I'm going to read you this. And he read it. And it was Sonnet 144, To Loves I Have of Comfort and Despair. And when he read that to me, something clicked inside of me. And I thought, this is the path I must look at. And I began um, to look at the Shakespeare uh, controversy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote Shakespeare, the yeah, authorship question. Yeah, I was going to say, there's the authorship question, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that started me on a wonderful road looking at John Dee and other characters, Queen Elizabeth I. And uh, that's how it how it really took off in essence. And uh, and anyway, so I continued, um, you know, to to sort of keep writing and everything. And I would practice it, and I become a master at it every day. I would do it, and um, it seemed I become the gift itself. And I realised, as Ron said to me, he said, "You are being educated by this extraneous source, whatever it is." Mm. wherever it's from yeah you know and um suddenly i was sort of like you know getting into the philosophy and all this sort of stuff and and i started to really i don't know it was just like it was like an education the education i didn't have at school one of it you know i mean when you did this i mean it was it something that you you could just sit down and do it you know at will or was it you'd suddenly get like an urge to write something no no i um well the poetry um the poetry, I had the urge to write the poetry, mm-hmm. right? So I was getting inspired for that. But the normal everyday conversation between me and a pen, like, mm-hmm. sounds mad, doesn't it? Between me and this pen and a piece of paper was whenever I wanted to do it. Right. Whenever. Mm-hmm. And I could just pick up the pen and away it went. And uh, when I stopped, the writing would stop. And I'd pick up the pen again and write. And, and I was having this pure conversation. So I think really you could say that you were tapping in to an extraneous source of information, weren't exactly. you? Exactly, exactly. You, you'd found or discovered quite by accident or by design, we don't know, No. how to access this. Yes, yes. Which is interesting, and isn't so... it? And then, of course, um, later on, the healing. I mean, you were talking about healing Dean earlier, but then... You had some more experiences. With oh, I did. Yeah. You? I mean, there's there's a wonderful story. Um, and it, it's <clears throat> Ronald said to me that he had a friend who had an horse stables. And um, so anyway, he said um, he'd spoken to a lady and she's got this horse. And he said, Gary said she's absolutely loaded. And he said, if you can do anything for this horse, said she will make you famous and wealthy. Right. So I thought, well, that's <laughs> That sounds just a ticket. <laughs> that sounds just a ticket, right? Mm. So I said to him, Ron, I'll be straight over. <laughs> I'll be straight over. So anyway, I travelled all the way to, um, uh, what did he used to live in? He used to live in Watford, in the Watford area. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I thought myself, right, I'll shoot over there. Harrow, sorry, he lived in Harrow. Harrow. Ron okay. lived in Harrow. So um, I, I shot over there and um, made acquaintance with Ron again. It was wonderful. He's a wonderful man, Ron. And um, so basically what happened was that he took me on a bus and we went to this stables, right? And it was like something like from Dallas. It was, <laughs> I've never experienced anything like it in my life, you know what I mean? From the East End, from all rough and ready, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm greeted by this guy with a, um, you know, with a highbrow voice and everything, right? And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? He's, what do you think of me as a cockney, you know? And I was a lot more rougher than I am now. I'm somewhat refined these days. But anyway, <laughs> okay. in those days, when I, um, 
in those days when I met this guy and he was really posh, you know, and, um, oh, hello and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, um, so he, he, he gives me, he gives me his dog, right? So I pick his dog up and it was some, it was some, uh, I don't know, little white thing. I don't know what it was anyway, but, uh, I just cuddled the dog. I'm not kidding you. This is the God's honest truth. I cuddled the dog. And I put the dog down, mm -hmm. and then the dog started running all over the field, right? It was going like a lunatic, right? <laughs> so Ronald said to me, I can't believe it. And I said, what? He said, I can't believe it. He said, you know what, Gary? He said, that dog has been running about on three legs, from my knowledge, for the last two years. Mm. He said, "He said I can't believe it, right? So anyway, I just thought, well, I don't understand it. I ain't got a clue what's going on anyway, but... Anyway, with that, once I'd done that, he said, I'd like you to come and look at a couple of my horses um, because I'd gone to see this other horse for this uh, Jewish lady, right? Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, so he said, I've got one horse here. He said, the vets told me it could never be ridden again, right? So he said, see what you can do. Well, what I did, you know a lot about horses, don't you? Uh, well, you know, having ridden yeah. horses and that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But anyway, so what I did, I got my hand and I put my hand in front of the horse mm -hmm. and he seemed transfixed. Okay. Right? He never moved. Right? So then, I don't know this horse from Adam. And then I put my hand on the horse's back. And um, anyway, it's fantastic. So, um, and then I looked at this other horse, this, uh, uh, this Jewish lady's horse. It was named Orgia. And uh, it was really beautiful horse, I tell you. And um, anyway, I gave the horse some healing. Didn't know what I'd done, really, to be honest. So, gave him a little, just five minutes, a little bit of healing. <laughs> and um, Anyway, so I left it, went home, uh, come back. And then uh, I got a phone call a week later. And Ron was really excited. And he said, Gary, he said, this is amazing. He said, do you know that horse that you came down to, to help? I said, well, well um, she, he said, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he said, his horse, uh, they've been able to ride it again. He said, it's a miracle. He said, and the other horse, he said, had something wrong with its eyes. And he said, and, and she tells me that he's, he's done great since you've done the healing. So I thought, fantastic. I'm going to be loaded. Now I'm going to be famous. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this was this was all full thing. I thought, yes, I've cracked it. You know, I'm going to make it big now. Anyway, <clears throat> so uh, uh, anyway, I get a phone call from uh, Ron a few days later. And yeah. he said, oh, he, and his voice was really low. And I said, what's the matter, Ron? And he said, well, you know that horse that you healed? I said, yeah. I said, what, the uh, oh, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, the, the owner has said now it was the grass that he had. It was nothing oh, to do okay. with your healing, mm, right? Yeah. So anyway, I was really mad. I was mad. And so I picked up the pen and I started writing. So then this uh, extraneous source said to me, uh, Gary, um, did you do the healing for yourself to become rich and famous, or did you do it for the horse? Mm, right? Yeah. Um, Lesson. Oh, dear. <laughs> at which, which I had a large uh, slice of humble pie mm. and realised that perhaps, you know, it wasn't about fame and fortune, and, um, you know... It's about intent. It was about the intent, exactly. Having the right intent. Exactly, yeah. you know. I that... think I find that myself, you know, through life that, um, I mean, I call it spirit, but whatever you want to call it, the extraneous source or the muses or whatever, the, yeah. um, you know, you do go through a series of sort of lessons and tests and it's shaping you as a person. You oh, you kind yeah. of start off as a um, an unpolished diamond and as you go through life, I think through all these trials and lessons and everything else and learning that you become more and more polished as a diamond. Exactly. Well, it's in, as in Freemason, it's polishing the ashlar, making mm. yourself right. uh, a better human being, perfecting the soul, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Exactly. But anyway, you know, it, it was such a re such a remarkable thing. And the lessons I was learning, I was learning, you know, tons of lessons. And this uh, ability continued right the way through. And then... Um, and then we find, um, you know, with the, the philosophy and everything and the poetry was getting better and better. And I was started to to do I was doing poems about the mind, about death, mm -hmm. about war, about love. Mm -hmm. You know, perhaps I should read a war poem. 
Would you like to hear a yeah, walk home? Yeah, I would. You've written quite a few walk homes in particular, I have indeed. haven't you? Yes, so I have indeed. Whoever the people are inspiring you. Um... Well, yeah, I've got one here and it's called Etched in Some Memory. And uh, praying for this day to end as death surrounds me, as scared as any man, yet I know no more than a child. Suffering each friend's demise as in a horror I reel, sacrificing my sanity and all I once knew, little as that was. Cold bodies, charred bodies, faceless bodies abound, hearing the screams of fallen mates and those I know not. Every sound I hear, magnified in hell's tortured mind, nearing death oneself as shells descend. Good God. Dreams, optimism, youth fields hope, banished to nothing. As pity rolls down my face in misshaped tears, pray for me, won't you? Every soldier dreams a victorious end, if only. Laid in mud, sacrificial lambs, butchered and slain, etched in some memory in years to come, me and my fallen chums. Mm, it's an extremely poignant poem, you know. And of course, with, with this um, gift, if you like, um, I mean, it's something I personally, and I know you do as well, we believe that every single human being has this ability within them, that we all have access to this. Well, you have, and, you certainly, well, you certainly have, you certainly have access to, it's, it's more yeah, to the sixth sense. in some than others, yeah, of for course, sure. yeah. but I believe everybody has yeah. this. But this actually led us um, on our journey together, didn't it? Our meeting. Well, it did. Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, before I go off of that subject there, which is which is very important, is that, you know, not only did it lead me to, to the Shakespeare conspiracy and all that, but it led me to understand that characters like Keats and Shelley, uh, William Blake, um, you know, you name it, Rajard Kipling, Agatha Christie, uh, a number of people, including the one who wrote the soldier, um, Rupert, Brooke. Rupert Brooke, yeah. yeah, they all were inspired. So, yeah. and then I began to understand that, yeah, you know, people do get inspired. They write brilliant works, you know. Well, I think that's what Mute, Plato music, yeah. termed the muses. He said, the muses are upon me. And I think that's possibly what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. About. Right. So I know you're keen to tell the story of how we met. Well, I think you should tell it because oh. I think... <laughs> get out clause isn't it i think you should because you start from from your well voice. i'll start and then at some point you'll come in and you'll tell me <laughs> what was happening from okay. your right on. yes let's let's begin right so i'm on a train going to essex and i'm sitting opposite a blonde lady and this is not shona and um you know there was some thoughts going through my head and you know i won't really take that. but anyway um, I'm sitting next to this blonde lady, and you know the question was in my head. I was thinking, has she got stuck in? <laughs> oh, anyway, anyway, yeah, trust me. Anyway, but anyway, so just as I was thinking that, the next thing that came into my head was tell her Peter, right? So I ignored it, and then I heard it again, tell her Peter, and I ignored it again. And then within a space of a minute, I'd heard it three times. You must tell her, Peter. So what I did, I, I, I said to this lady, I said, I'm really sorry to interrupt your journey. I said, but do you know Peter? And she said, gosh, she said, Peter's my boss. Um, she said, how do you know? And I said, well, I'm intuitive. And she said, oh, my friend's intuitive. She said, let me give you my card because I have to get off now. And she got off, but she gave me a card. So uh, had I not uh, given her that message at that particular point in time, it would have been gone forever. Okay. So this is why this is so important that you listen to that voice, um, you know, that voice in the head. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, it was about, I think it was about uh, two weeks, two weeks after that, mm -hmm. she phoned me up and uh, we got chatting. And uh, we became good friends. And um, after about uh, after a while, we lost contact. And uh, it, went as, it was about seven years later. And uh, I'm laying in bed, and I could hear a voice in my head saying to me, "Gary, uh, you must contact Maggie." And I thought, 
Maggie? I said, oh, where am I going to contact Maggie? So anyway, I got up and I looked through my diary and uh, and I had Maggie's daughter's number. So I found out Maggie's daughter and I said, uh, do you know where Maggie is? And she said, yeah, she's moved to Norfolk. I said, really? She said, yeah, she's up in Norfolk. She said, I'll give you a number and you can ring her up. So I did. And I said, hello, Maggie, it's Gary. And how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, anyway, she said, uh, you can come down in about six months uh, because I'm decorating and everything. And uh, it'd be nice to see you. So we're in total now, seven years and six months since <laughs> I met her on the train. And uh, anyway, I come down to Norwich and I, I meet Maggie and I'm, I've got a young son at the time. So I'm pushing my young son and uh, we went into Otika's bookshop and uh, we go up the stairs and... Um, I see another lady in there. And uh, oh, I meet a lot of ladies. Don't worry about that. No girls safe with me. Anyway, <laughs> that's not true, actually. Uh, anyway, um, so what, what basically happens is I start talking to this uh, dark-haired lady and I start telling her some things that I'm getting in my head. And she said, that's amazing. How do you know that? And anyway, I told her again. I said, oh, yes, I'm intuitive. And um, she said, wow. And I said, if you come to see me tomorrow... I'll tell you the address I'm at. If you come to see me tomorrow, I will change your life, right? Well, I didn't realise it changed my life. But anyway, so she said, um, well, I'll have a think about it, she said, right? So the odds of her really coming were not that high. But um, anyway, so I forgot all about it. And the next day, I get a look at the door and uh, open the door, and it's this lady. So she comes in and uh, sits in the chair and i'll say i've got to give you some healing so uh that's healing, healing. With, a, with a h, h. that's the problem with the east end as you know <laughs> healing heal and healing <laughs> oh i'm an healer e anyway <laughs> anyway uh so what makes that happens i give her some healing just for a couple of minutes uh, probably two or three minutes whatever it was and uh, and she left okay so never heard anything from her for about three months and then out the blue she phones me up and she said, Gary, I must come to London. I was living in London at the time. She said, I must come to London to thank you. And I said, what for? And she said, well, what you didn't know when you gave me that healing, she said, um, I had multiple sclerosis. And she said, and your healing helped me considerably. And I've been doing all kinds of things that I couldn't have done before the healing. So I said, well, you don't have to thank me for that. That's, you know, that's, that's okay. Anyway, she said, I'm coming down if that's all right. And I want to thank you personally. So she did. So she came to London. So we're now seven years and nine months. Gosh. Seven years and nine months. Don't forget that. And um, anyway, she comes. She comes to London. She knocks at the door. I open the door, and as she comes to walk in, she said to me, "You don't like blondes, do you?" And I thought, <laughs> "What a strange thing to say." I said, "Well, I prefer dark-haired girls. I've got been." And she said, "Well, last week I was at an awareness class where I met a blonde lady." So I said then, does this blonde lady have a red car that pulls to the left? She said, I don't know. I said, is she in a relationship she shouldn't be in? She said, I don't know. And I said, and has she got a brother? She said, I don't know. She said, but I'll tell you what, tonight I'm going to ring her up. And she said, and uh, you can ask her yourself. So that night um, I rang up and I asked this lady, I said, do you have a red car that pulls to the left. It was true. I did. I had a tracking problem on my tyres, yeah. And was you with a boyfriend you shouldn't have been with? I was indeed, yeah. And did you have a brother? Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, this was quite exciting. So I thought, wow, that's good. And anyway, so I, I gave Shona my email address. And I said, if you ever need any advice or anything, please write to me and, um, you know, and left it at that. Keep in touch, yeah. Keep in touch. Mm -hmm. Well, it was that night, was it that night? Yeah. That, you, that night, Shona sent an email through. And so, and there was an attachment on the email. So I clicked on it and I'm sitting next to Jan, the lady she met at the awareness class. And um, as I open the attachment, I see a photo of Shona. And I said, that's the girl I'm going to marry to Jan. I said, I'm going to marry her on the 23rd of April. 2004 i said we're going to get engaged on the 14th of february 2003 
And I said, and uh, and the date at that time was November 2002. So that meant if I was going to get engaged to this lady I've never met, it would have to be within three months. And a year and a half later, we're supposed to be getting married. And I said, we're going to have a medieval wedding. So, I mean, it sounded absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, so I came back down to uh, to Norwich and uh, when I came back down, I met Shona for a drink. And Shona uh, was interested in, in the psychic side of things or the uh, intuitive side of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, we met and we had a drink. And there was absolutely no chance of any relationship. Uh, from Shona's point of view, it was just a, a drink. And me, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to marry you. And I, they told me it's going to happen, isn't it? Is if, you, if you'd have told me that at the time, I'd have been out the door. Oh, my right. God, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Surely it's going to happen. Anyway, um, so basically, when we got to Christmas, I hadn't heard from Shona. And this voice is telling me, this voice in the head is telling me, you've got to buy an engagement ring and book two flight tickets to Roslyn Chapel for your engagement. Right? So... I thought, God, well, I did believe in it. So I believed in it. I'd, I'd experienced so many things that came true. I had to believe in it. So I bought her an engagement ring and I booked two flight tickets to to Roslyn Chapel in Edinburgh and uh, for our engagement. Anyway, so I've heard nothing over Christmas from Shona. And I'm thinking, what a chump I am. I've just bought a ring and, you know, someone's really took the mickey out of me here and got me on a right wind-up. Anyway. So we're now into, uh, what was we? December. End, no, we, we, December's gone. Uh, then you phoned me out the blue, didn't you? I that did. was about three weeks before we do to get engaged. Yeah, I did indeed. And I phoned you and I said, I know, Gary. I said, you know what? I said, I know I'm going to marry you. Because I'd seen it. I'd seen a vision. And I knew that you'd done the book In Search of the Swan. And... I saw two swans in a heart shape and I knew, I knew that I was going to marry you. Oh, it's incredible. So, and anyway, so we got together, uh, we had everything in common. It was absolutely magical. We got engaged in Roslyn Chapel and... And I saw that uh, as well. I had a vision of this because Gary basically put a ring in a red rose when he proposed and I'd already seen this before we went so we... so you're right bloody spoiled it didn't you <laughs> sorry God. God so sake. that's the only trouble isn't it we don't tend to have any secrets no. we tend to kind of go do, 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 tuned in tuned in anyway we got engaged <laughs> and uh a year and a half later we had a medieval wedding i was dressed as a knight's templar oh, on st george's day st george's day the 23rd of april 2004. which is also shakespeare's birth and death day interesting supposed to be yes mm-hmm. supposed to be and um yeah and it was absolutely magical and shona's mum when she was alive bless her she kept saying oh you you know in april so we're always rain. showers in showers we'll in umbrellas april. for the guests because it's gonna rain and i said yeah. honestly and i said honestly sweetheart it's gonna be a hot day it is i said they've told me it's gonna be a hot day and we had a 70 degree day and it was televised by the BBC and ITV. Which you also predicted. Which also predicted. Mm-hmm. And absolutely magical it was. And we had just in nights and everything, didn't we? We did. And, um, and then, uh, so that was magical. Uh, as Exactly as uh, whatever you want exactly to call them. Exactly predicted. But or... we, had, we didn't actually have any dates. So although I went and met you from my No, we never had a single date. date. So we haven't no. had any dates and... I went down and, and, you know, stayed with Gary and we just found we had absolutely everything in common. Yeah. So to me, I think the whole meeting was just destined. And, yeah, and destined, we've been yeah. together ever since, haven't we? And I'm not saying that we never have any arguments or anything. We've never had a row, dear. <laughs> never had a row. <laughs> you crossing your fingers behind your back there. <laughs> but it is very, very strange how, you know, all these series and sequences of events how no, they it's all conspired to yeah. basically bring us together. It's, a, it's so, an impossible story, but it's perfectly true. There are some Every very, very it. magical yeah. things that happen in life. Yeah, and then, uh, and then, of course, uh, we go to uh, 
America on our honeymoon, didn't we? We did. And that, and that was magic. Oh, I'll tell you the one wonderful story. We had lots of fantastic stories about Shona, I'll tell you. But um, one magical story I remember was there was a, we were going down to have a Chinese, uh, we was on Sunset Boulevard, weren't we? We were mm. staying in the, what they call it, the Rock House or the, the Mayor the higher hotel. The what was it called? The, the do you remember? What I think they, the nickname was the Riot House. Riot House. They used to be a lot of rock stars. <laughs> That's it. Anyway, so <laughs> we're walking down Sunset Boulevard, and you know, and uh, anyway, we come across this um, black vagrant, and uh, he asked me for some money, and um, he was telling me he was a Vietnam vet, and uh, he showed me a big scar on his on his back, and his back, I think, but. Uh, and I said to him, I'm sorry, that I don't have any cash on me, but I promise you that I'm going to go back to the hotel and I will get you some money. I promise you. So anyway, I'm as good as my word. When I say something, I do do it. And uh, we came back and I gave him $10, $10. And he said, I must do something for you. And what did he do? He sang that lovely song, How Wonderful life is when you're in the world yeah your song elton john it was, wasn't it yeah oh, which God. was magic wasn't it and, and you know it, it brought me to tears it was such an amazing magical uh, moment and we invited him for breakfast the next day and and he never came did he, he didn't come and you know uh yeah and the, and the thing is i often think of that man and i think about what life he had and whatever happened to him you know he was telling us the story of uh how johnny depp had given him a suit for shopping on Rodeo Drive and bought him this $10,000 suit. And he said, you know, it was a really beautiful thing for him to do, man. He said, but where am I going to wear it? <laughs> where am I going to wear it, man? Yeah. Yeah. So, and he said, Bette Midler, she was very generous to him as well, wasn't she? But, you know, we have no idea where he is. And it's very sad. He's probably dead now, but... Uh, so what a sad a, story there. There are some really beautiful things. I mean, we've led on, been led on very, you know, wonderful journeys. But also, I think with the prediction side of things, it can have quite a an unsettling kind of side to it as well. I mean, with your story with Sheila. Oh yes, then... I had I had a, a wonderful friend, uh, Sheila. She was a, a very very uh, spiritual soul, and we used to travel all over the place together, looking at Templar sites. I mean, we went to Temple Coombe. Uh, we went to the Templar Church. We went to Roslyn Chapel. Uh, you know, we, we went all over the place looking at things. We even went to France. And uh, there's a, a Jean Cocteau mural in uh, Leicester Square, um, which was fascinating. And we went to see that and everything. And anyway, um, we went to France. Uh, I went to France with Sheila. And uh, then the relationship suddenly went. It was, it was incredibly close. I mean, she was an elderly lady. It went incredibly close, and then it just dissipated into thin air. So I lost contact. And uh, anyway, I'd been thinking of her an awful lot uh, in this week. And uh, I phoned my son up here who lives in France, and I said to him, uh, have you heard from Sheila? And he said, uh, not recently, Dad. Uh, I said, well, I've been thinking of her so much this week in particular. And anyway, so I'm laying in bed on a Saturday, I think it was a Saturday night or a Friday night, and... Uh, and I'm listening to the radio, and they start talking about. Um, oh, sorry, I, I missed a very important point about this. Let me go back. Uh, uh, about 17 years earlier, I'm with a friend, John and Sheila, and I'm saying to John, um, you know, I've started talking about reincarnation. Now, I didn't really wasn't really into that, but anyway, for some reason, I started talking about it, and I said, "I've you, you've lived many lives before, John." I said, and died many violent deaths, but I said, you won in this one, but I can't say the same for Sheila. And Sheila went to bed, and I kept getting fire, fire, fire. So um, anyway, 17 and a half years later, I'm, I'm they're talking to my son and saying, what's happened to Sheila? You know where she is? I don't know, Dad, anyway. Um, so basically, I'm listening to the radio, and it was either a Friday or a Saturday night, I can't remember. Um, but uh, they were on about this fire in uh, in West London, this, this tower block. And I thought, oh, what's happening there? And they mentioned it was Latimer Road. And uh, uh, and I thought, blimey, Holland Park. And I thought, well, that's where me and Sheila used to go to um, have a coffee. Uh, so I went, I run downstairs and I went on a computer and I traced uh, where we used to have the coffee to where this uh, block of flats was on fire. And I thought, bloody hell, it's uh, Sheila's block. And anyway, <clears throat> um 
So I didn't know Sheila's second name. I only knew as Sheila, but uh, I went on Twitter and uh, a, a, a Twitter message from her son came up there, popped up and it said Sheila's missing. And I thought, oh my God, you know, she she was in the fire at Grenfell Tower and um, she lost her life on the 16th floor. And, you know, and I think to myself, you know, how can you get that 17 years previous Mm. um that you're you know you, you don't know what it's going to be but it's incredible isn't it and then of course you had the um experience with the dream as well i mean because um you've had dreams too mm. rather like my my great great grandma she used to dream the derby winners oh the horse dream but you had the <coughs> oh horse yes dream, I, you, I had a horse dream the night before and uh i had the number of the horse was number four i saw a horse race uh, the horse came from last to first. Its name was Tedborough. I got his name. I had a betting slip that said 11 to 1, and uh, and it was a winning ticket. So the next day when I got up, I looked at the Sun newspaper, the 210 at Newcastle, uh, eight runners. Number four was Tedborough, and it won the race at 11 to 1. I told everyone to back it. No one listened to me. <laughs> no one listened to me. I had 20 quid on it and won a couple of hundred quid, which was rather nice. But it just shows that you can't tell uh, what spiritual time is all about, you know, 17 years and uh, one day, the next minute, uh, it's incredible. And and, the, and our guest, um, uh, Guy, and some of the stories, the other chaps tell us, you can't believe it because, I mean, it's like instantaneous it happens. So, yeah. you know, it's incredible, you know, absolutely mind-blowing. And what about with the tarot cards? Now, you talk about yeah, incredible. That was interesting, wasn't it? Because, I mean, you shuffled the tarot cards. 78 tarot cards, yeah. 78 tarot cards. You shuffled them, and then you picked the magician, magician card. card. yeah. Six times in a row, wasn't Six it? Times After in a being row. shuffled. After shuffled each time as well. I mean, I don't... And you and your mum saw that, didn't you? Yeah, that, my mum. That mom, was incredible, wasn't my it? My mum witnessed that, and that, that really was. I think that kind of shook her a bit, because you also healed her... Her knee as well, because she had a really bad knee yeah. um, that um, was arthritis and it, it wasn't getting better with treatment from the doctor. So um, I asked but her to give her some healing. Yeah. Coop, well, probably about two or three days later, I remember my mum saying that it felt like some fingers and things were in her knee, yeah. like it was being knitted together. Mm. And she kind of forgot all about it. And then um, normally every morning when she you know flipped out of bed to get up you know normally she was in tremendous pain anyway she just got out of bed one morning and yeah no pain. it's amazing yeah so well, i i think you know all the all of these abilities whether it be healing or channeling, sense. intuition yeah. prediction um well, all of know, these things i think I, they are basically soul powers and yeah. we, if you've got a soul you've got it you've got the power in some well. in some way in some form well i've written i've written three books now haven't i a thinking man which is the mm. book of philosophy in search of the swan which is about my life and dead Poets pen which contains the poetry that uh, was uh, given to me so um you know and what you do learn it's about it's about bringing truth to people i mean communion with spirits if you want to call them spirits or the afterlife whatever it is my my ability shows that it's not demonic i've got wonderful unless they're all obviously poets and they're philosophers, all philosophers and poets, yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing demonic in that having said that you know there, there is a dark side as well um so you know you just got to be a bit careful but uh, for me um it's and it's been a wonderful experience for me and uh all i want to do is bring truth to people i want to show them the truth and i can guarantee that no one will ever find a flaw in that ability will they mm, no right. one not anybody you, right. you're welcome to try to find it if you can but there isn't a flaw in it well unfortunately um we're running out of time now so um, i hope you've enjoyed the show i yeah. hope so and i hope that you've learned a little bit about us anyway it's not everything we've got loads more but there's just not sufficient time to tell you <laughs> sadly but thank you for joining us on the allens investigate you can check us out at www.theallensinvestigate.com we're broadcasting live on the united public radio network on 105.3 and 107.7 fm from the beautiful wonderful city of new orleans which i hope to visit one day yeah me too me too me too and i hope very much that 
um, you know, from well, some of the stories tonight. that yeah. we've been sharing that have actually happened to us. I mean, as I say, just a very, very small bit. Um, it's, you know, giving you some idea. <laughs> I'm also being reminded that we're on Roku. Yes, so don't forget to... <laughs> Roku, please. <laughs> if you if you would like to find us on Roku, please dive in and go and have a look because we've had quite a few shows now. Um, and it would be great if you could. We really enjoy seeing you. Yeah, contact for the show, www.theallensinvestigate.com. If you'd like to be on the show, please let us know. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody. Mwah, mwah. Blowing kisses. Take care. Bye.